And if you've got your Uversion app open or you've got your handy, beautiful little notes that we hand out to you, we're about to just tear into those. And I'm very excited about um, this. And I, I want you to not tune me out because we're going to be talking about something. You're like, oh, yeah, you go to church and you hear another love sermon. Love, love, love. Um, I want us to, to, to not glaze over and go, pastor's talking about love. I love people. This uh, Check, check, I'm doing this. You know, this is for somebody else. No, this is for you. We were created, folks, you and I, we were created to live full lives, lives of meaning and purpose. And <clears throat> Jesus came to humanity so that that emptiness that was created in our separation from God could be filled with life. See, this is a scripture we've gone over on over time and time again. John 10, 10, that the enemy, the thief, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. I tell you what, there's been times that I've had a soda and I've had it to the full. There are times that I've had some crab legs and that I've had them to the full. It's one thing to have it, it's another thing to have it to the full. Jesus wants us to have life to the full. It's great to get it. When we say yes to Christ, we have life, but he wants us to have all that his death and resurrection provided for us. He doesn't want us to be cheated out of here. And as we've been delving into this, this is one of the things that's part of this full life. 1 John 4, 7 says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. If you've been around Celebration Church for any length of time, um, that you know that we are about helping people know God better and trust Him more. If you've been through our newcomers class, you know how we measure that. We measure our assignment not by how many of these purple seats have rears in them. It's great to have more of them full, but our measure of whether or not we're helping people to know God better and trust Him more is measured by this metric that's kind of hard to get your, your hands around. But it's, it's whether or not people are loving God and loving each other. Because see, this comes back to if you know God, then we're going to love. We're going to love. They just simply go hand in hand in this full life. I'm telling you, we're wired for a full life. I see it with my kids. They go, you, you get a kid and you give them an eight ounce glass and they want to pour milk in it. They pour eight and a little bit more ounces of milk. They like to see that little crown on the top. What's that called? Surface tension. Surface tension. Yes. It's, it, it, the meniscus. I, I was going to say meniscus, but then I didn't want somebody to say, you know, you, use, you inappropriately use that word. So it does not mean what I think you mean. You know what I'm saying. But they love to fill it. All the way up. You get them a same child. You get them a 32 ounce mug from one of these places and they go to get milk. They're going to get 32 and a little bit more ounces of milk. My kids, they love full. We go to the store and we buy multiple loaves of bread. They take about four pieces out of it. Which loaf do they go to? Not the loaf that's open. The full loaf. Like, kid, why, why do we have five loaves of open, half-eaten bread? 
because for some reason we just like the full better. We like it. My kids love full water bottles and full everything. They just prefer it. You have half drink drinks all over the place to go get a full one. We're hardwired for this. And folks, that a full life, a full life is a life full of compassion and care for others. We just can't be disconnected from that. And you have to know if you are going to embrace this concept of God, fill me with your life, that you have to have your eyes wide open, that that is part of it. You're going to be full of that. You're going to be filled more and more with compassion and care for others. Colossians 3.12 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. These are all little under-attributes of love. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. All of these things are supposed to, supposed to clothe ourselves. Now, I love it that, that we're told to clothe ourselves because sometimes that means it's just not naturally there. Don't you love those days when you wake up in the morning and you just feel lovey? You know, you're just like, ooh, I'm happy, things are good. Maybe you have a little problem here and there, and everything just kind of, you know, all things are cool. And then there are other mornings, it's like somebody beat you in your sleep. That somebody was whispering, like calling you names all night long in your ear, and you wake up mad. You have no idea why you're mad. You can't pinpoint it. You're just irritated. Everything's for, So sometimes we have to do this thing on purpose. And I love it. They said, clothe yourselves. So I went to... The uh, stop at our local little uh, production company, Angelo Civic Theater, to get me a, the closest thing to a Jesusy looking robe. Um, my son, yes, I knew you was going to think this was cheesy, but cheesy works sometimes. Doesn't that? Isn't that right, Nat? It does. My son said that the uh, bedazzlement on it looked a little feminine, but I said I could pull it off. It's not a dress. This is a robe. This is a robe, and I have clothed myself with this robe. I'd have brought my own robe, but I don't have a robe. And so I had to get one. But I have clothed myself with it. Now, now, if you were going to have to describe me, and uh, so, Tom, if you had to point me out, what would you say? The, the guy in the dress. Thank you. Dude, I'm never having audience participation ever again. Ever. Let me make notes of that. This is a one-way conversation from now on. Yes. Yes, they are. All of those, one framework or another, made a reference to what I was wearing. We totally do that. We totally do that. If you had to describe anybody in here, one of the first things you'd say is the, the person in the pink or the person in the red or the person with white with stripes on. We would immediately begin to point to that. We are the same way. Let's look here at John thirteen thirty five. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. You're going to be pointed out. You're going to be recognized. You're going to be recognized that if you love one another if you love one another that's that thing we've put that on it's now our descriptor 
You see, it ought to be, hey, those Christian people, man, I, I, I don't fully understand everything, but man, they're loving. I, I don't know that we have that reputation in our society today, but I think it's still that we can redeem it. I think we can turn things around. See, but we have to understand this piece. We have to understand how this works, how the world looks at us, and then also how God is looking at this. Because you and I, we define our love level. We look at our love level and we define it by how we love those closest to us. I look and think, man, I'm a pretty loving guy because I'm loving to my wife. And I'm loving to my children. And I'm loving to my friends. Man, I'm a, I'm a pretty loving guy. Um, those that are close to me, you know, they wouldn't say that I'm rude or hateful or those different things. We would define our love level by that. And the world does that. You go out and you poll the average person and you say, hey, you know, are you a loving person? Or you say, are you an above average loving person? And I guarantee you, you're going to have an 85 plus percent, more than likely 90 something percent response. Yes, I'm an above average loving person. Well, obviously that is statistically impossible if you can actually measure love levels. It's just we can't all be above average. It just doesn't, it just doesn't happen. But all we have to understand this. God, when he looks at love levels, when he's looking at this, he's turned this thing on its head. And he defines it by how we treat the least. This is where it comes in. This is where the definer is. This is it. And honestly, this is how the people that aren't believers look at us. And decide how loving we are. By how we deal with the least. By how we deal with the people they know disagree with us on a philosophical basis. By how we deal with how we react to persecution. How we deal with those that may fall into what the world would call our enemies. Let's look at Matthew 25, and this is Jesus' words. And I've got a big chunk of scripture here, but it's important that we take it all in. Jesus is talking here. He says, for I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. Now, this is the NIV version, which is the Brandon Clark version. I needed clothes, and you took me in. The rest of the versions translated the Krista Clark version. That I was naked. That there was no clothes. I would see some naked person and go, oh, Lord, they need clothes. I'll say, they are naked. That's what I was talking about. Not just somebody who's ratty. Not just somebody who is, who's, uh, it's somebody that is like, they are, it is socially inappropriate. They were in this place of desperate need that people were like, oh my goodness, here's a naked person. And you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison. Then something that society says is completely unacceptable and we rat you away so we don't have to interact with you socially. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him and said, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come, go and visit you? And the king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whenever you did it for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did it for me. And then we jump down. He addresses a different group. 
and tells them they didn't do these things. And here's their response in verse 44. And they will, they will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick and in prison and did not help you? When, when do we do it? All the people that we were conscious of, all of this, we, we took care of that. When, when did we not do this? We, we're racking our brains here. We can't figure this out. When did we not do this? And he says, I tell you the truth, whenever you did not do it for one of the least of these, you did not do it for me. Now, I think it's funny that Jesus is throwing out this word least. Because I think that when we think about Jesus, we don't think about him having a scale. Having the most and the least, right? In fact, the truth is, he doesn't. He doesn't. We have plenty of scripture to we have plenty of scripture to back it up. Acts ten thirty four says, Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God doesn't show favoritism. Romans two eleven says there's no respect of persons with God. Over and over again we look there's multiple more scriptures that says that that God embraces us all. There's a there's a truth that says that the, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. There is no hierarchy there. But yet Jesus is throwing this word least out. He's saying least. He doesn't have leasts. So where does this least come from? Where does this least come from? Who's defining the least? It's you and me. It's who's the least to you. Who's the least deserving to you? Who do you not want to show favoritism to? Who do you not want to be kind to? Who do you not want to forgive? Who do you not want to be patient and loving with? Because most of us have people in our lives that we're like, yes, these are my love people. I love them. I care for them. I take care of them. They, they return it to me. And there's other people. Some of have a big pool of this, and some of us have a very small selective pool of it. But people, we say we don't care for them. We don't love them. We're not going to waste the time of day with those people. See, we have these expressions. You know, we, there's obviously there is the I hate you, I, this, 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 all of those different things. But sometimes when we just really want to say that even worse than saying I hate is to say I couldn't care less. My love level could not go any lower couldn't care less and then there are things that we think of we have another phrase in our culture where we say i wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy that there are certain things so bad that even the even the biggest jerk in the world deserves better than that that in and even internally these are reflective of things internal that we these people get loved these people don't get loved man everybody has to at least get this we do this And we have to be willing to allow God to bring that level up. We have to let God go. Instead of us looking at how many people that are tight in our little love group. Like, who do I treat the least? How do I treat that? And that is the definer in my life. And how loving I actually am. I had a conversation with Lyndon this week. And uh, we were talking about uh, different things. I don't even remember how it came up. We're just talking about this concept of just treating everybody nice and 
and because uh, she's in middle school and of course middle school is like the ultimate pecking order of life i mean there's just all of those different things and and uh we were talking about this concept of how you deal with the least is those things and i and i said now i, I said what you want to look at lulu is you want to make sure to increase the your bottom end whatever is the minimal that you're willing to do i said let's take um let's take like me and mom okay Let's say that I have in my, in my wallet, that let's say I have $100 bills and $50 bills and $20 bills and then down to the ones and then down to the change. And I've actually dipped down and the lowest I got are some nickels, okay? And that if you come up to me and then you need something and I reach in and I give you my least, I give you a nickel. There was more. I could have done more, but I give you my least. I would look at there. And I would define what was there. I would look at my hundreds. I would look at those. But you ask her, and <laughs> she would look at the nickel. So let's talk, let's look at mom. Let's say mom has hundreds and fifties, but the lowest she's got is a twenty. And you go, mom, I need some money. And she reaches in, and she gives you the lowest she's got. Boom. I said, said, what would you? what would need to happen it wasn't so much necessary that i needed bigger bills because i wasn't giving you those my bottom end needed to come up i need to not carry the change i need not carry the ones and the fives and those that if i was give, when i began to give that that my minimum was higher that we begin to do that and as a church as people as individuals we need to go that okay that we need to pull up that that place of when we begin to dip into the least, that it's something that still gets the world's attention. Uh, we, get to a, we get to an ultimate place in our walk with Christ where, there is, where we're like God and there is zero respecter of persons whatsoever. But in our march to that, you know what's, what's going up? The bottom end. That bottom end is being pulled up. That is where it is. See, if you do not allow God to grow your compassion for people, then you will never fully understand God's heart, God's plan, and God's deep love for you. It's when we begin to see God's heart for others that his heart for us is revealed. That's when things really begin to shift. That is when things really, really begin to shift. And we, we see this in the scriptures about these different love levels. We see uh, Proverbs 12.10 says, A righteous man cares for the needs of his animals. This, guy, this good guy even deals good with his animals. But the kindest acts of the wicked are cruel. The wicked, the best they can do is still cruel. It's still cruel. And over and over again, story after story again, story of the good Samaritan, Jesus was trying to get them to raise their least level. Trying to pull that up. Trying to get them to say, this is what it is. And we end up with the story of this guy who, in his audience's eyes, should be despised and should despise them. And he's the hero who shows care. That his minimal care level to a stranger was to make sure his need was provided for and that he was taken care of. Because so many times we think that it's based on this deserve thing. I got my <clears throat> buddy Carson, my youngest son, in, the, in here today. And, and um, he taught me a great lesson. I've shared this story multiple times. And, but it's still that thing of, of our proper response. We were, having a, 
we were playing around the house one day and I had a little Nerf sword. You know, and they're soft. And so we're playing around and uh, I swing too hard and I whacked Carson across the back with this Nerf sword and it stung. It stung. It made him cry. And uh, so my initial response, I immediately dipped into justice. All right, son. Come on. Just whack me as hard as you can. Just let it loose. And, uh, and so and then I even responded with a phrase, all right, all right, come on, son, bring it. And he has the sword in his hand, and he puts the sword down, and he says, this is what I'm bringing. And he comes up and gives me this big old hug. He had a free shot on Dad, a free, uh, and he had just been slighted and stung and treated wrongly and responded in such a beautiful, forgiving high love level form that is what god has called you and i to do see james 5 b says the lord is full of compassion and mercy full of compassion and mercy that's why jesus talked about things about like these hard things like loving your enemy and praying for those who despitefully use you oh my gosh Seriously, God, they despise me and use me. I don't like being despised. That kind of makes me want to despise right back. I don't like being used. That makes me want to get as far away from you as possible. But when you despise me and use me, and now my response is supposed to be this response of love and care and prayer. Well, I'll pray for him, Lord. Rain your justice down. <laughs> Defend the righteous. God, I thank you for their own personal reign of sulfur. And they have their own little Sodom and Gomorrah experience. Lord, strike them with blindness so they'll repent like Paul. I mean, it's just, how dare you raise your hand against the Lord's anointed. I'm telling you, it's just, that is our, that's our prayer response in the natural but he's wanting us to begin to beseech him for their well-being, for their care, that, their, their, that the air of their ways would become awakened, that they would embrace the love that God has for them, that just all of those different things, that is where it is. That is what it means to be full of compassion. If you're going to fill a cup, where does getting full of that start? At the low level. We don't fill it from the top down. We fill it from the bottom up. And as you and I and God is cultivating and growing this full life in us, you will begin to find that you are challenged by the Holy Spirit to act in new, loving, radical forgiveness kind of ways with the people that you would just rather smack in the face. The people that have smacked you in the face. This is the kind of love that changes a world. This is the kind of love that changes our lives. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, while we were here, the word even calls us enemies to God. And he sent his son and gave his best. This isn't some standard he calls us to that he hasn't lived out perfectly himself. He is the perfect model for this. 
And see, understanding God's love and forgiveness, folks, it's the baseline for us growing in care for others. We're going back to this scripture that I put the, the girly robe on with. And uh, it says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances. Another translation says blame, that there's actual blame there. Forgiving them their faults. <clears throat> you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Our understanding of how much he loves, how much he forgives, all he's done. As we grow in that, it becomes an easier, more graceful place for us to pour that same kind of love and forgiveness and patience out to others. Folks, God wants us to have a life that's full. We were created to enjoy a full life, his life. But this place, being full of love and compassion, yes, we should love those closest to us. But let's be conscious of that. The, play, the people we just don't want to love. We just don't want to care for. We don't want to do that. And embracing this, embracing this full life means growing and knowing him better and trusting him more. Because I tell you what, sometimes one of the greatest acts of faith you can possibly take is to forgive somebody that has horribly wronged you. To be able to turn them over to God. Now, does that say, we won't even get into all of the other pieces, that that's not saying that it didn't happen or that it's okay or that even the justice system doesn't need to have its course because the justice system playing out is totally fine. Forgiveness is, is in here. Folks, this is for us. This is for today. And this is a beautiful way to live. It's a beautiful way to live. Can you imagine living completely free? The people can't take your joy because you just are full of compassion. The people can't ruin your day with the way they spill their jerkness all over you because you're full of compassion and care. It's a beautiful way to live. It's a beautiful way. But it starts in embracing the love and forgiveness that's free to, free to us. So I want to create a quiet moment. I want to create an opportunity for those that say, you know what, Brandon? I'm, I'm away from God. I don't, understand. I, I, I don't understand this whole forgiveness thing from God. Well, guess what? Jesus came and he died for you. He lived a perfect life and died a blameless death. So that the blame that is yours from living an imperfect life could be paid for. It's that simple. It's that easy. You say, I have sin. He had none. He did a death. I pile mine on his death. And that covers it. It's done. If you're here this morning and you want that, I want you to just raise your hand. 